It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, everybody. This is Pastor Ted Payton, Grace Through Faith Worship Center for our Bible study. Today, Wednesday, May the 3rd. Oh, how time is moving. This year is one-third gone already. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for another day, Lord. We just bless you. We come to you today, oh God, lifting up your name. We come today, Lord, just studying your word and getting to know you better. Lord, we just bless each one that is listening Father, we just thank you that we ask you just to anoint our eyes and our ears, that we might hear what it is that you have to say, that we might see what it is that you have to say. So as we go forth, Father, we just thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I want to start with a question. <clears throat> we talk about Bible study. We talk about studying the Bible. We talk about relationships with the Lord. But... This question I heard, and I, I just thought it was an interesting question, and the question would be, what if you had a friend that lied to you as much and as often as fear does? Fear. Fear. And who brings fear? Satan. Fear is being frightened of something that may or may not happen or anxiety or whatever. You have this fear of something that may never, ever happen. And basically what it is, it's the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And his job is to deceive. His job is to lie. His job is to say things to you to have you fearful of what may possibly might sometime come to pass? Well, that's what the enemy does. That's what the enemy does. That's what the enemy does. His job is to steal, kill, and to destroy. And what else is there for the devil to do other than to make you doubt, other than to make you go to a place, you know, and say, well, it's just the enemy. It's just the enemy. So, let's get into our word. Um, into the word worship, we've been talking about a number of things, but uh, the bottom line is that we get to know the Lord through the word of God. We go to the word of God, and we begin to study the word, begin to read the word, and get to know what it is talking about. Uh, lately, I've been talking from the book of uh from the book of, what is it, Jude, from the book of Jude, and my point in looking at the book of Jude was the fact that Jude being one of the brothers of Jesus, Jude, James, and Judah, they were brothers of Jesus, half-brothers rather, and in that, Jude was reminding the church, he was reminding the church of its stance 
on what it believed, on what it was, how it was established, and things of that nature. And so many times we don't study the Word of God for ourselves. And my point is this. I think we need to get to know some things for ourselves. But, you know, this game that they would play, you would be in this big room and you have chairs in a circle, and you would say something in the ear of the person next to you to your right, and you would go all the way around the room, and when the word or the statement or the sentence or whatever you said to that person get back to you, it is nothing close to what you have said. Nothing close. That means that as you say something to someone, they hear it. They hear a certain thing, and they repeat what they thought they heard to the next person. And so goes it 20 or 30 times. And when it gets back to you, it is nothing close to what you had said. Now, what had happened here in Jude where these people were uh, members of the congregation, they were believers, and the Word of God becomes contaminated. Contaminated in the sense that we don't go back to the source to verify some things. That means that even when you are listening to me right now, and I say that the Word of God says something, it's okay to take my word for it, but occasionally what we need to do is we need to verify that what is in fact said to be true is true. If I said to you, well, in in John the sixth chapter, Jesus says something to the effect that the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And at some point in time, you can hear that, and you can hear that, and you can hear that. But John 6.63 says that. So you pick up your Bible, you go, and you turn to John 6.63, and you see if it said that, or if it said it like I said it, if it said it in the context of which I said it, if it said it, because if you don't, then what you're going to do is you're going to run the risk of trying to believe God for something that is not truth something that is not true, or something that is not true. Now, the Bible is very clear. It says that, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's the truth of God's word that frees us, that liberates us. When you take the word of God and you receive the word of God, you receive what God said, then that, that you believe that God said, with him, in fact, saying it, it frees you. It frees you from fear. It frees you from sickness. It frees you from diseases. Why? Because God's word is a seed, a seed that will produce the fruit of which it was designed to produce. But in order for us to have the benefits of God's word, then it must be the truth. Now, sometimes when it comes to, well, there are many times when it comes to the Word of God, it's one thing to just read it, but you have to take some time to study God's Word, to see what the context of God's Word. When the Word of God says something, look at the context of which it is said. 
You know, you, you, you go to the Word, you look in the Word, you see, well, God did say this, but in what context? What did he mean? Who was he talking to? Was he talking to me? Was he talking to people of that day? What was it that God was doing? What was it that God was doing? So you go to the Word of God and you begin to look and see what the Word of God says, and then you go from there. Now, let's talk about the Bible in the book of Acts. Let's go there. Now, in the book of Acts, first of all, the Bible says Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles. That means that Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, Act 4. What took place, Acts of the Apostles? What took forth? What, what took place? See, when Jesus went to the cross, and no, let's, let's back up a second. When Jesus had his ministry on earth for this three and a half years, he started something. He started, first of all, he pulled the disciples together. He spent time with them. He mentored them. He discipled them. He took, they went everywhere together day and night. They were together for that three and a half years. Jesus started ministering to the people. He healed the sick, raised the dead. Everywhere Jesus went, he impacted lives everywhere. As a matter of fact, the Bible says something to the fact that if everything that Jesus did was recorded in books, it wouldn't be possible to record it all. He did that just, if you recorded everything that he did, there wouldn't be books in the world to hold everything that he did. What he did was just that massive. But what he also said was, that he told the disciples, these things that you see me do, not only will you see me do them, you will be able to do the same thing that I am doing now. And we're talking about the truth of God's word. So Jesus said that, well, if you see me uh, healing people, then that means that you can heal people. If you see me raising the dead, that means that you can raise the dead. So what Jesus started when he left this earth, when he went on the cloud back to his father in heaven where he is now with his physical body, Jesus is there now. He's alive right now. He's listening right now. When he went back, he had started a legacy, and he expected his disciples to carry on what he had started. He says, now I'm leaving, and I am going to turn everything that I was doing over to you. I am going to turn this church thing. I'm going to turn all of what I have. He says that everything that I have, I give it to you. All power I have under the earth, on the earth, over the earth. Jesus said, all power is given unto me, and this power that I have, I am giving you the power of attorney to use everything that I have. I'm going to give you the power and authority, the authority and the power to do just as I did because I'm leaving here. Now, I'm going to leave, but before you can get started with or continue with what I was doing, you're going to need to go to this place called the upper room there in Jerusalem. You're going to need to go to this place, and you're going to wait because it's necessary that I equip you to do what I did. 
So what you're going to do there, you're going to go there and you're going to wait. You guys are going to wait in the upper room and until I send back the comforter. The comforter is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send back the comforter, and when I send back the comforter, you will have everything that you need in order to carry on what I've started. Thus we have the Acts of the Apostles. Because in the book of Acts, it talks about the day of Pentecost had come, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, with fire. They began to speak in tongues. And then on the day of Pentecost, Peter began to preach to the very folks that he had ran from and hid from. He began to preach. And that day, 3,000 people came to the Lord. Now, we talk about the acts of the apostles. What did they do? They healed the sick. They raised the dead. They cast out demons. Now, what about the acts of the church today? What's the church doing? What what, 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 what are we doing? Are we continuing the legacy of what Jesus started and his disciples as they wrote the word and they they gave us history to go by. You go in the book of Acts and you can read all about what they did and how they did, about how they healed people, how even Peter's shadow as he moved along the city, people would get in and find out where his route of travel was and they just get in the place where his shadow would pass by and he was such anointed that it healed people, just his shadow where Peter and John was going into the temple and the man was asking for money, and they said, silver and gold, have we none but such as we have? Get up and walk, and they watched on him intently. So we have the act of the apostles, and now the question is, what about today? We have church today. We have church, and, you know, I grew up in a call, so I grew up Kojic, and those of you that, that uh, acronym may mean something to you, Church of God in Christ. I grew up, I, matter of fact, when I was born, probably that's all I knew from the time of a, an infant on through adult life. That's what I grew up on, the holiness. I, I, that's what I was. And I don't have a problem with that because they taught truth and they had traditions that I may not be so in tune to at this point in time, but but it, it's the word. You know, I got saved there, I got filled with the Holy Spirit there, and I continue to grow in the Lord, and I continue to learn. Even today I'm continuing to learn. But it's one of those things that we have church. We have church, and we go to church, and we do all these things that are churchy, and we have all these auxiliaries and things like that. But then again, you say, well, where are the acts of the church today? that would be consistent with what Jesus did. Not only do you not see many churches, I don't know if it's most, many churches, at least where I, where I, the region where I am, that's, that's encouraging people to go out and lay hand on the sick, uh, cast out evil spirits, uh, pray for people and get them healed, um, you just don't see that as a motivating factor. What you see is someone sitting up in a church waiting for their turn to lead a song, waiting for their turn to do communion, waiting for their turn to minister to the congregation. 
after many, many years away, they finally get their app and they get to do something. But where, where, where are the acts of the church? Where are the testimonies of the people that go out during the week and they come back with the spoils of the enemy that they have taken during the week? They go out and they pray for somebody. They get them delivered. They get them set free. Somebody have a headache. Oh, hey, man, you got a headache? You know, I'll take care of that. Let me, you mind if I pray for you? You have a family member? You have something you want God to do for you? May I pray for you? Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with the Father and the Son? They're the spoils. Because Jesus said that he came the reason for him coming was to destroy the works of the devil. And see, it's our duty as Christians is to represent Christ. Represent Christ into this world. To show the world Jesus. And the only way the world can see Jesus is to see him in us. To see him in us. And the question is, when are we going to be about the Father's business? When are we going to know enough to be about the Father's business? When are we going to know enough to be bold enough to step out and do signs and wonders? That's right, signs and wonders. You know, we can do signs and wonders today. I mean, signs and wonders are, yeah, uh, lay hand on the sick, get somebody healed. Jesus, most of his ministry was about healing folks, about making people whole. And he talked about that. And the very fact that he says that what you see me do, you can do, to me, that would mean that, okay, well, if Jesus fed 5,000 people, then that means that when the time presented itself or the situation presented itself, that means that, well, maybe we should be able to do what he did. Maybe we should be able to do what he did. You know, the disciples were with Jesus, and he feed 5,000 people, and then they see him do this, and they see him do another miracle, see him do another miracle, and then... All of a sudden, the opportunity presented itself, and Jesus tells his disciples, well, you go feed the people. And they looked at him like, what do you mean we go feed the people? They didn't get it. And surely, I think that during the time that they walked with Jesus, of course, he empowered them. The Bible says that in, I think, in Matthew 10, 10th chapter, the first verse, it says that and he gave them power. Let me just turn to Matthew 10th chapter, I believe it is. It said that he gave them uh, power and authority, and he sent them out. He sent the disciples out. In leading, in the reading and the living translation, it said that uh, Matthew 10, chapter 12, the first verse, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Now, that's what it said. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and sickness. 
Now, if Jesus gave it to them, do you think that he would want us to have it today? If he gave it to them, that means he gave it to us. He gave them authority to do it and the power to do it. That's why the Bible in James 4 and 7, it says that, Submit therefore yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he shall flee. Submit yourself unto God, that means that, look, do what he tell you to do. Be obedient. Obey. Obey. When God tells you to do something, the very fact that he told you to do it is the inherent authority and power that he gives you to do it. If Jesus told his disciples, get in this ship and go to the other side of the lake, then that means that simply because Jesus told them to get in the boat and go to the other side, that he empowered them to do it. But somehow they missed it. They didn't get that because they had seen all the miracles that Jesus had done with feeding the five, ten thousand people. They saw the miracles that Jesus had done, but they never did make the connection for some reason they weren't getting it. That's why when the man brought his uh, demonic son to the disciples, threw him at the feet of Jesus, and said, look, your disciples couldn't heal my son. And Jesus looked at them, and he's going to them again. How long are you going to be with me that you don't get what I'm trying to teach you guys? I'm telling you every day. I'm showing you every day. I've given you power and authority to do it. Why aren't you getting it done? Well, that same question would be to the church today. Why aren't we getting it done? Why aren't we doing it? Now, I'm not saying this to be critical of anyone for not doing it, but what I am saying is this. I think that if it happened before and Jesus has said it, then maybe we should develop a curiosity as to why it is not happening. Why is it not happening? Well, one reason it's not happening is because it's not being taught. The Word of God is not being taught. You know, we have we have all these schools. We have Bible schools and wherever, but I, I don't know if there are many Bible schools you can go to and they say, okay, today what we're going to do is we're going to teach you how to cast out demons. Today we're going to teach you how to cast out evil spirits. Today we're going to teach you how to heal somebody. Okay, tonight in Bible class, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to get rid of demonic spirits and folks. After all, Jesus said that I came to destroy the works of the devil. So if he came to destroy the works of the devil, why should our objective in life when it comes to ministry be any different than that of Jesus? Because Jesus is the one that, Jesus is the reason for the season. You heard that? If he's the reason for the season, then why is your why would your agenda be different from that of his? It all starts with his word. It all starts with being disciples. It all begins with knowing what the word says. It all begins with developing a love for God and a passion for those things that God is concerned about. We have to begin to talk about things that God wants to talk about. We have to begin to do things that Jesus wants to do. And it starts with his word. It starts with rightly dividing the word. You know, when we get born again, it's our responsibility to know what the word says. When you get saved, when you get born again and you begin to get yourself filled with the Spirit, then you 
It's, it's, it's your responsibility to pick up and begin to teach. The Bible says it's not necessary for anybody to teach you anymore. Why? Because that's something that the Holy Spirit takes over your life and begin to teach you. That don't mean that you don't go to Bible study. That don't mean that you don't sit up under someone that's discipling you or teaching you. But what it means is this. The majority of what you're going to learn is when you spend your own time with God in learning in his word and developing your knowledge of the word by allowing the Holy Spirit to bring revelation of his word to you. You can read words on pages. You can study. You can use commentaries. But until the Holy Spirit brings a life to you, you don't know what it is talking about. It's the rhema word that the Holy Spirit brings alive in you. You read the words on the pages, but it's the Holy Spirit that takes those words and reveals what God is saying to you. It becomes meaningful to you. It's called renewing your mind. It's called letting your mind mind be transformed. It's called the scripture that says, let this mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. Let it. Allow it. You have to allow it. And if it worked in him, it worked in you. You know, Jesus, and this this is the thing about the gospel. You know, we talk about Jesus all the time. We talk about what he did. We talk about the miracles that he did. We talk about Jesus walked on water. All these things that Jesus did. But you know what? Jesus God came to this earth as a mere man. Matter of fact, he came here as a baby. Just as you were born out of the womb as a baby, so was Jesus. Jesus did everything that he did on this earth as a mere man, son of man, just like you and I. And the reason why he can demand of us the things that he did was because he did them as a man to prove that it could be done so that we could be without excuse for not doing it. So when we don't do it, there's no excuse because Jesus said, I did it myself. I come down in this body. I grew up, I matured in this body, and I tested. I, I did a test run on this body. I did everything in this body that you can do in your body because when I put my spirit in your temple, it will do the same thing in your temple as it does in my temple. The Bible says that we are just as Jesus is. As Jesus was, so are we in this world. Just as Jesus was, that's what we are right now. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are just as capable as Jesus was when he walked on this earth. We are just as capable of doing everything that he did. Why? Because he lives in us. That's why the Bible says, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. There's nothing that I can't do. Why? Because of the spirit that lives in me. The Holy Ghost is the action. He's the action agent in the Trinity. Where there's action going on, where there's jobs being done, it's the Holy Spirit that you find on the scene. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And the Spirit hovered over the water, the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Ghost hovering over the waters. It did the work in creation. 
It can do the work now. The Holy Spirit can. And what I would encourage you to do is find someone or get team up with somebody. Just go out and just meet people. Hey, how you doing? You know what? God is such a good God. Is there anything you need God to do to you for you? Do you mind if I pray for you? Oh, you have a broken leg or a headache? You mind if I pray for you? The Bible says that you know the Bible says if I lay my hands on you, then you shall recover. The Bible says if I pray for the sick, that they should, they will be healed. The Bible commanded me to heal the sick. Heal the sick. It didn't say pray for the sick. The Bible commands us to heal the sick. So that means if you have something wrong with you, and I pray for you, that means that you're gonna get, you're gonna be healed. Do you mind if I pray for you? Okay, great. Father God, we thank you that you love this person right now. We thank you that you love Tom the, even before he was born and you knew everything about him even before he was conceived. And, Father, because of that, we thank you that this condition that he has, we speak to it right now. Whatever condition you have, you broken leg, we speak to you right now. We said for you to mend yourself. Creative miracles, we command you to take place now in this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother, I thank you. Hey, have a good day and be blessed. Oh, by the way, why don't you test that leg out before you go? Oh, it's not quite that. Let's just pray again. Father, we thank you that you love Tom. And we come before you, Lord. We are commanding this leg to be made whole. In the name of Jesus, we command it and be made whole. Test it again. Oh, great. Yeah, the word works. See, Jesus prayed more than once two times. The man that couldn't see, Jesus put... Uh, for his eyes, he prayed for the man to see. And the man said, yeah, I see the man that's seen. But Jesus said, come here, let me pray for you again. So he prayed again. And guess what? The man could see clearly. I can see clearly now. And see, that's what we should begin to do. And I believe that it's not about so much of somebody being uh, uh, so anointed to do this or so anointed to that. Look, when you have the Holy Spirit, you have that measure of, you have all the power you need. It has nothing to do with whether you've been having the Holy Ghost for 20 years, 30 years. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with you being bold enough to just step out and do. I believe they will see signs and wonders all up and down the street if people would just step out and just begin to pray for people. Just begin to just take a bold step. Forget about what somebody thinks. Well, I'm not going to pray for them because, you know, I might embarrass myself. I might pray for somebody and then they don't get here. Well, that's not our responsibility and duty to be concerned about that in the sense that, well, it's up to God to do it. Because the thing is this, the Lord told us to heal them. If he told us to heal them, that means that we can do it. So when it don't happen, then go back to your prayer closet and say, Lord, you know, I prayed for Tom, and it didn't work, Lord. I don't know what's going on, but we're going to go out and we're going to try it again, Lord. Because I know it's not on you, Lord. I know it has nothing to do with you. So I'm going to go try it again. Jesus told the disciples, sometimes, sometimes when you're dealing with issues in life and you're praying and you're healing people, sometimes some things may require a little bit more concentration, like fasting and praying to kind of get yourself together because fasting and praying don't make anything, conditions come out. But what fasting and praying does is it sharpens your it sharpens your insight. It sharpens your skill. It sharpens you because you can begin to focus the way that you need to focus because when you fast and pray, you kind of get rid of all the distractions and say, okay, 
I got you now. It's just like somebody trying to skill up on their game, like shooting free throws. Look, I need to practice my free throws. I need to go somewhere and get, get all the noise and concentrate on how I stand there and throw that ball through the hoop. It's like I need to kind of focus on what I'm doing. So when you fast and pray, what it does is it keens your focus on the things of God. It sharpens your focus. It puts things in focus. That means that when you're trying to do something, you're trying to pray for somebody, you're trying to cast a demon out, it sharpens your focus. You can see a little bit more clearly. You can hear a little bit more clearly. Why? Because you're zeroed in. You're focused in on it. And that's the way it is with God. He says what you need to do is just kind of like concentrate yourself. Practice your skill. That's like you see a baby lion. You know, they're running around. They're really small, and they're, like, wrestling with each other. They're toying with each other, and then they're running around. As they continue to grow, then they'll see a little mouse. The mother lion will go in and injure the thing and let them just play with it, testing their, their hunting skills and things like that. And they continue to do this until they grow into adulthood, and then they grow into a certain maturity. And see, with God, you know, we, there are no baby Holy Ghosts. So when you read the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is it's already matured. It's us that we just have to begin to sharpen our skill and be able to focus with what we have. We need to learn to use what's in us. We need to learn how to access what is in us, that Holy Spirit. So when you talk about the acts of the apostles, then what about the acts of the church today? We need to begin to focus in on what we need to focus in on. But Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. Let me suggest to you that every time you set foot out of your house, and sometimes before you set foot out of your house, you see works of the devil. He came to destroy works of the devil. Every time you see a sick person, every time you see a confused person, Every time you see anything that's not like God, it's the work of the devil. Every time you see confusion, it's the work of the devil. Speak peace unto the life of someone. Give someone a prophetic word that will change their entire outlook for that day. Why? Because it's the devil at work, and my job is to recognize the devil and to destroy the very work that he's trying to do. That's what the gospel is all about. Paul said it. He said the gospel is not complete until it has been demonstrated. The apostles demonstrated the gospel. They didn't just talk or talk. They said, well, God did it in those times. No, they didn't just talk to talk. They said, look, foul spirit, come out now in the name of Jesus. Lady, be made whole. Man, get up and walk. They did this. Why? Because they recognized that they were carrying the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's that same spirit that dwelled in them. Do you notice that some people say, well, Peter this, Peter that. Well, Peter was one Peter before he got the Holy Ghost, and Peter was another Peter after he got the Holy Ghost. Peter was a Peter that denied Christ three times before he got the Holy Ghost. Peter was a Peter that preached and to the same people that he was running from after he got baptized with the Holy Ghost and bringing 3,000 people to the kingdom at one time. That's the same Peter. The difference was what he was carrying. When the Holy Spirit came upon him with fire, with it, it brought boldness. 
And I suggest to you, some people saying, well, I have the baptism. I don't know. Maybe we need to get baptized again. The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit, which means that it is a continual process. It's not that, okay, I'm filled now, I'm full now. That, no, that, that's not it. It's not that. No, you have to continue to eat of the Word. Because the more you eat the Word, the more it makes you hungry. The more you eat it, the more it makes you hungry. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. It's not like you can eat and get full. No, this hunger and thirst after righteousness, when you're hungry and thirst after righteousness, it's not like you get hungry and you get full. No, the more you eat, the more you want to eat. That's the gospel. So the acts of the apostle should be the same acts that we are seeing today in the church. And the question is, why aren't we seeing it? Why aren't we saying it? Maybe you should ask yourself, why am I not doing the word? We don't have to be a preacher or a deacon or a teacher or someone with a special title in order to pray for someone. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the church. The church lives in us. The kingdom of God is in us. The kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. We carry the kingdom of God everywhere we go. So everywhere we go, should we should introduce heaven into the situation. That's why the Bible said on earth as it is in heaven, when we go into a situation where there's confusion, we introduce the peace of heaven into that situation. Why? Because we have the change agent in us. When heaven is introduced into a situation, it looks like what heaven is. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, we just bless you because, you know, you know you're know, such a good God. You're such a good God, and you have equipped us. Father, we just pray that those that are listening begin to get a revelation of what you were talking about, a revelation of the fact that they have it, that agent, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They carry the Holy Spirit, and in that they have everything that Jesus had. Just as Jesus was, so is he, so, so are we. We are just as he was. That's what we are, and we can do just what he did, and we can be just who he was because that's what he ordained us to be. Jesus said that the lead we are greater, as great as Moses was, as great as John was, as great as Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, as great as they were. The Bible says that as great as John the Baptist was, he said the least of us in the kingdom today is greater than all of those people. That means that all the things that you see them do in the Bible, all of the things that you see Jeremiah, Moses, all the things that you see those guys did, the least in the kingdom today because we are filled with the Holy Spirit is greater than any of those guys. None of those guys had the baptism of the Holy Spirit in them. So those of us that have it, we are greater than any of those people. Meditate on that. Moses divided the Red Sea. We are greater than Moses. Daniel in the lion's den, we are greater than Daniel. The three Hebrew boys in the fire furnace, we are greater than them. What we have is far superior than what any of them had. And they got it done. So we don't have an excuse. What's our excuse? Oh, somebody might see me. Somebody might say something about me. 
Well, let them say it. They talked about Jesus, so so what? Lord, we thank you for your word. Well, that's it for today. This is Pastor Ted Payton, Grace Through Faith Worship Center. This Saturday, we're going to meet at 10 o'clock, and we're going to do a little role playing and set up our protocol. And then we're some few of us are going to hit the streets. We're going to divide up two by two and go maybe down on the mall. We're just going to begin to minister to people, just begin to talk to people, just begin to share the gospel. If they need prayer, we're going to begin to pray. We're going to look for signs and wonders and miracles, just telling people about the goodness of God. People need to know about the goodness of God. They don't need to know about no fire and brimstone. Because if love don't draw them, then we'll find brimstone, certainly not. It's going to drive somebody into the kingdom. They come to God because of his love that he demonstrates toward them. We need to show people the love of God. They've been beat up enough. We don't need to be condemning them. We need to show them the love of God. We need to demonstrate to them how much God loves them. Demonstrate it. Not talk it, but demonstrate it. So we'll be Grace to Faith Worship Center, 4857 Glendale Road in Bowie, Maryland, Sunday mornings at 930 a.m. And we'll be there Saturday at 10 a.m. to uh, do a briefing and, and then go out to the streets for a couple of hours. If you want to be a part, just let us know. Grace to Faith, GTFWC. Our website, go there and check us out, gtfwc.org, greatthroughfacewishercenter.org. And you can also uh, email us, greatthroughfacewishercenter, C-E-N-T-E-R, at gmail, greatthroughfacewishercenter at gmail.com. Pastor Ted Payton saying that's all this evening, and you have a good evening, and you be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Goodbye, everybody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.